Hi, wrestling fans. If you're listening if you're listening to this, you're listening to part two of April of nineteen ninety five of Wrestling Time Machine. I'm one of your co hosts, Bobby, and on the line with me as usual is co host Leith Gray. Hello. Hello. Welcome back everybody. This is all going up at the same time, so you can just go from that last episode you listened to into this episode. So, magic. We we heard the feedback, and we wanted to start dividing the episodes up a little bit, kind of make them a little bit more manageable, a little bit more listenable. So, we hope everybody's ready, because we're just gonna we're just gonna jump right in to ECW. Woo! Cue cue your ECW chants. ECW. EC. That's All the, right. Yeah, those were those were great. I was chanting in my head. That's... Could you hear it? Chant, <laughs> chant like nobody's watching. <laughs> Very bad at chanting. <laughs> how do you? It's get, not my skill set. How do you get bad at chanting? Because <laughs> I'm too quiet and okay. I get nervous, so I don't okay. do it. I'll do like the woo, and that's about it. That's okay. my level of interaction. <laughs> it's it, it's okay. I, I can get that. <laughs> All right, so we're going to talk about we're going to talk about ECW first. So, what kind of sticks out for you in ECW this month? Um, I think probably Guerrero. Eddie Guerrero. I mean, yeah, he's awesome. Yeah, him versus uh, <laughs> Two Cold Scorpio. That, that was probably like the the biggest thing for me. Everything else was kind of. I think like the first episode almost felt more like a clip show. Yeah, uh, there's the, a lot of flashbacks. Yeah, Eddie Guerrero versus Two Cold Scorpio stood out to me, and that's why I was kind of shocked that you were willing to give, you know, match of the month to to Alundra Blaze versus Bull Nakano because it was a good match. But I feel like oh, I wasn't saying the entire month. Oh, it should specify for raw, like for for, okay. for WWF. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. No, that's that's. I do it show by show. I can't. I can't do it all. Yeah. That's, that's too much. <laughs> <laughs> so this is, and you kind of touched on this. This is something that ECW was really good at. Is they would put together a lot of clip shows, and a lot of highlight shows. Mm-hmm. Because they they weren't doing pay per views at this point, but they had like super card events. Right. And so. I mean, those events weren't always televised. So what they would do is they would film the events, and then they would do something like this, where they're like, "Hey, on this week of ECW, we're gonna, you know, go over these highlights from that event." Mm-hmm. And they do a lot of, um, cause there's a lot of continuity with their storylines too. Mm-hmm. Sometimes this story just happens to go back to like last year, and like just so, oh, yeah. like as like a reminder, like this is what was happening, but this is still relevant. Uh, absolutely. ECW was actually the the one thing I'm kind of surprised about is given ECW's well-known financial problems, mm-hmm. how good they were at putting together video packages and sort of like tales of the tape and highlights right. and everything and they were really good. Uh mm-hmm. ECW was 
probably the... I mean, the WWE was really good at it, too. But, like, ECW at this point is, is really good about making you care about, like, every match on the card. Right. Yeah, it didn't... It never had that feel of, like, okay, this is just, you know, squash. Oh, this is the uh, the piss break match. Yeah. You don't really you don't really get that very often. Yeah. That's 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 right. You don't you don't really get that at all in ECW. So I don't know, maybe hold on to that empty one liter pop bottle. <laughs> hold on to it. You, just, just in case. Just in case. I mean, they, they make pampers for adults. <laughs> do what you gotta do. Uh so uh I think the biggest thing that, like, one of the bigger feuds that they got, I mean, every feud in ECW at this point is just, like, boiling. Just, like, right. this is this has reached, you know, critical mass, this feud. We've got Public Enemy versus Sabu and Taz versus Malenko and Benoit. Mm-hmm. We get the Pitbull versus Public Enemy highlights, you know, they're sort of uh, the the public enemy is sort of egging on the pit bulls at this point. And the pit bulls are in a sauna for yeah. some reason. They're just chilling Get, getting out. their sweat on. Yeah, you know, like dudes do. It's like the least threatening like promo location I think I've ever it was, seen. It was so <laughs> weird. It was really weird. It's like, oh, well, I guess they're they're sweaty. I don't I don't know. And part of me is just like, whoa, part of me is just like, whoa, wait, you're telling me ECW could afford a sauna, <laughs> but not music licenses, right? Uh, <laughs> like, I mean, sorry, go maybe ahead. Maybe they knew, knew a friend who had like a membership somewhere and they got in for free. Yeah. I, they could only use it for a short time to, yeah. to record this one promo once. Like, ECW could put together an exciting, emotionally involved program just with a clip show. Yes. Which is which is startling to think about. Uh, and then I think one of my favorite parts about, you know, week one of ECW is they do a strap match and we get Hogan sucks chance. <laughs> because, boy howdy, that strap match last month, everybody. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Not great. Didn't make a whole lot of sense. It didn't. <laughs> like, at all. Nope. Uh, we, get a, we get a history lesson with the Sandman, where he's talking about Napoleon and Hitler, and then the wom- uh, woman kind of fawning over Joey Styles. Yeah, it was odd. <laughs> I think, I, yeah, it was like, uh, Joey Styles interviewed Sandman as a woman molests him. Yeah. <laughs> like, that was my... my for that like Joey Styles has a legit sexual harassment case on his hands at this point <laughs> uh, and then I just have in my my notes that Terry Funk gonna kill somebody that's yeah that's pretty standard Every, everybody who's listening to this I need you to, to watch this first week of ECW TV just to, just to appreciate the absolute madness that is a Terry Funk ECW match. They are using a chunk of guardrail <laughs> as a weapon. And this isn't like your like your guardrail that some of you younger 
kids listening to this are used to. Big old chunk of rubber and, and like, gym matting and everything. No, this is, like, a, a straight-up, like, bike rack metal guardrail that they... You know how that is set up at an indie event or anything, like an ECW, where it's all just kind of set up and forms a barricade around the ring? They just, like, disconnect this particular chunk of guardrail, toss it in the ring like it's nothing, and are using it as a weapon. Like, I'm, I'm sitting here watching this, and I can't help but think that, like... So, the WWF will eventually bring in Mick Foley to feud with The Undertaker, Right. As mankind. Mm-hmm. And they do some pretty hardcore, interesting stuff. I mean, feuding and, and doing the boiler room matches and everything. And those are those are great matches. But it's like watching that and then, you know, watching ECW and the stuff Funk is doing here. Like, Terry Funk at this point in his career versus The Undertaker could have been solid. Right, yeah. Or even 911 versus The Undertaker. Like, both of those matches could have been great. And I have that notated here because I'm, uh, as I've mentioned before, I'm a huge Undertaker fan. And we tease some tension. There's some sort of palpable, sensual tension between Shane Douglas and woman. Something going on. Like, if this is an anime, you got the split screen and their eyes are meeting across the room. And... I don't know. There's like some some like saxophone in the background. <laughs> is what is what that would probably look like. Somebody should turn ECW into an anime, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. That that would work. I'd watch that. <laughs> you know. And on that day humanity received a, a grim reminder and it's just like Terry Funk like peeking over a giant wall. <laughs> Terry Funk is a kaiju. Everybody, we have such good ideas on this on this show. Give us all the, the money. Best. Yeah, the best. And then the last the last note I have for that is Public Enemy cracks on WCW about their their policy on blood. Okay. Which I thought was pretty pretty interesting, especially given that they will work for WCW eventually. Yeah, because ECW at this point is just like, yeah, just tear apart the other promotions, mention them, who cares? Yeah. Doesn't matter. Yeah, like, it's it's always interesting to note, like, the, the mentality behind that. S- some companies will be like, well, we don't want to give them the free press. Like, right. Even if we're tearing them down, we don't want to give somebody a reason to go check it out. Other people, like, like the mentality here is, like, no, we assume you're probably already watching WCW, so yeah, we're, it, it's, we're not going to pretend like they don't exist. Yeah, because, I mean, they're, I mean, ECW is obviously a smaller promotion, they obviously don't have the funds behind them that WWF and WCW yeah. have at this point, so it's like, why not? Yeah, why not? Like, they know their, their product is, I mean, technically their product is superior, it just, they don't have the funds. Yeah. It's it's superior in in what they're doing. They, it's like the storytelling, the actual wrestling, yeah, the, that's... The, the matches, the booking, <laughs> the stuff that, like, but when it comes to production values. Yeah, it's, it's the production <laughs> values where they fall short. And, I mean, believe it or not, it, it kind of gets back to, like, 
uh, a phrase that somebody like Alton Brown would use a lot, where it's like, we eat with our eyes first. Mm-hmm. Right? And so, I mean, if you're just flipping through the channels and you catch something like ECW on, I mean, you, given the low production values, you might not stick around for the wrestling. Right? It's not exactly. something... It, ECW was never intended for casual fans. And that's okay. Yeah. Nothing wrong with being a casual fan. I mean, you don't have to be super hardcore invested into a product. That There shouldn't be any gatekeeping. Be into, mm-hmm. be into something as much as you want to be into it. Right, exactly. So, week two, we get... Sabu start... is... Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say the same thing. I was like, Sabu is suspended indefinitely. Suspended indefinitely. And boy, you know you, you've you had to have messed up if you get suspended from ECW. <laughs> like, you pretty, uh... you pretty much have one job in ECW. Show up. They don't care about anything else. And Sabu kind of hacked that up. Yeah. So, Sabu gets suspended. I have it noted here that, that Chris Benoit never should have had long hair. That is a random notation, but okay. <laughs> he just has, like, the rattiest looking mullet. Oh, jeez. And, and when I say, like, rattiest, I mean, like, it looks like a nest of rats is living in that hair. It's not... <laughs> I don't know why... Hair like that in the 90s was big, and don't get me wrong, like, I had hair like that too at some point, and it's not a good look. It's, I, I feel like it's harder for guys, uh, well, not harder, it's it's probably equally as hard. I think it can be hard for guys to find, like, the right hairstyle. I mean, I, I I almost said harder, but then I remembered, like, oh, no, wait. Women have everything, like, incredibly much harder than we men do. I don't know about that, but... <laughs> I mean, look, y'all don't even get pockets in your pants. We don't. It's really terrible. You I get, want... like, cargo pants. Yeah. yeah. Like, your options... Usually, like, you can't wear those to most places yeah. to work. Your, your options are big ol', like, hardy boy cargo pants... Mm-hmm. Or, you know, like a skirt or something that has pockets in it. I feel like every... every the most magical thing is when you have a dress that has pockets. Yeah, a dress or a it's skirt. It's amazing. Yeah. And, and I feel like most women that, that I know will have at least one dress that they love to wear, and that's the one reason they love to wear it, first and foremost. It has pockets. Mm-hmm. If you're listening... Yeah, it's like... It's, it's, it's magical yeah. to find pockets in a dress awesome boys if you're listening (laughs) to this if you're listening to this and you have a woman in your life and you want to like impress her find out how to sew pockets onto things because they will they will probably marry you because they don't they don't get pockets and it's a scam by the purse industry big purse yeah that's why you usually see me wearing like hoodies and stuff yeah because that's got hoodies have pockets yeah (laughs) it's a shirt with a fanny pack built into it it's amazing. Yeah. Keep your chapstick. Although I guess fanny packs are coming back. Yeah. I saw fancy ones that have, like, name brands. Like, no, please. Look, Michael <laughs> Michael Kors couldn't make a fanny pack look good. There's no. just nothing cool about a fanny pack. There never has been. 
No, they're practical. They're practical, but they're not cool looking. No. They can never be cool looking. And yeah, Michael Kors reference. I've sat and watched Project Runway. It's an entertaining As everyone show. Everyone should. Yeah. Everybody <laughs> needs Tim Gunn in their life. But uh, perhaps we should get back to the, we, the rest yeah, of Yeah, why we're here. <laughs> we got is, way off topic. We did. We got way off topic. Um, From like ECW to <laughs> Project Runway. Those two things are related, probably. Uh, so, Rick Steiner substitutes for Sabu. Right. And I'm really disappointed Rick Steiner didn't have a longer run in ECW. Like, if anybody could have had, like, a solid run in ECW, it could have been Rick Steiner. He's got the amateur background. You know, he's not traditionally attractive. <laughs> I mean, he, he could do it. Like, you already have the Pitbulls. I feel like if you team up Rick Steiner and Taz, you could call them the Dog Pound. I don't know why I have that notated here, but that's what I would have called them. <laughs> well, then. I don't know. Your thoughts on Rick Steiner and ECW? I honestly don't have any. No? Nothing? No. I mean, I'm not familiar enough with Rick Steiner to formulate it in opinion. I know a little bit of okay. like from like back in the day, but I don't really know enough. Okay. I feel so like this is like the first time I'm seeing him kind of like on his own. Yeah. You I, know? I feel like Rick Steiner is in that, is in that rare category of what would make like a good ECW wrestler. And that's in so much that he can wrestle, right? Like mm -hmm. not just wrestle, but like, that that amateur technician mat style wrestling that like Taz and Benoit and even Shane Douglas could do, right? Right. But he could also get real hardcore if he wanted. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that's why he could have had a really good career in ECW. And then we get the one match we, we talked about sort of uh, at the beginning, and that's Eddie Guerrero versus Two Cold Scorpio. Great such match. Such a good match. It's, oh it's my God. such so good. a great match. If anybody's listening to this, go back and watch that match. Week two of ECW Hardcore TV, April of 95. Phenomenal. Eddie wins the ECW Television Championship with a frog splash. It's not oh, but he, The best part is he almost loses. He almost. I love, so I, I love that. He kicks out at like two and a half. Yeah. It's like two so it's and like, seven not eights. only does he win, but he still makes it like, like yeah. two cold still looks good. Oh yeah, absolutely. Which is Important. you know, like that's yeah. fabulous. Uh we get Mick Foley doing a really weird Bob Dylan impression. <laughs> we get Terry Funk doing doing probably my favorite bit where he calls himself a windmillin and, and he can't even say windmillin right because he's so worked up. A windmilling, pile driving, neck breaking, back breaking, bear hugging, wrist locking, knee dropping, toe holding son of a gun. In what I think is the ECW version of styling and profiling. <laughs> right? Mm hmm. I, I love that bit. That was so good. I don't know how you would build Terry Funk around something like The Undertaker as far as that feud would go, but. Terry Funk wouldn't need, like, a mouthpiece. No. Uh, we then get... Now he's all around fantastic. He's so great. Like, this is... These he are... can talk, he can wrestle, he can do the hardcore stuff. He's got it all. 
like, like the whole package. The Terry Funk promos, like a lot of people kind of characterize them as like, oh, I'm Terry Funk and I just talk real quiet and I, you know, I'm just gonna go out and wrestle. And it's like, no, he's he's like worked up and ready to kill somebody. Mm-hmm. Uh, we then get Shane Douglas versus the Sandman. Which is actually a pretty good match. And Sandman actually surprises a lot of people up to this point in his career. And he actually goes out and wrestles. He's not just, like, brawling. Right. And we get woman turning on Sandman. Oh, no. Yeah. And this is all over a cigarette. Gotta get them smokes. And Sandman, woman turns on him. And we get probably the best wrestling pun of the month when uh, I think it's Shane Douglas says, what a drag. (laughs) Cigarette puns. Woo! Woo! We move on to, like, week three. Not like week three. We move on to week three. We get a really interesting dynamic with Stevie Richards and Raven in so much that Stevie Richards, at this point, I mean, he's, he's a toady, right? Mm-hmm. He's he's Raven's, you know, minion, his right-hand man. But at this point, like, Stevie Richards kind of comes out and says, like, I just want to make Raven proud. And I feel yeah. like that, that right there, just, like, vocalizing that, is a very interesting development in the dynamic between the two. And so, after the Generation X gauntlet match, where Dreamer beat everybody except for Raven, which is what would have counted anyway... Mm-hmm. Steve Richards is like, I don't know about these Broad Street bullies, you guys. I'm going to bring in the Pit Bulls. I somehow bought out their contract from Jason, and they're going to fight the Broad Street bullies. And if they can beat them, then through the magic of wrestling, ergo, they're going to be Raven's new tag team minions. Of course, yeah. And I don't know if you noticed this, but there is absolutely a sign in the audience during all this that just says blood in big red letters. I missed the blood sign? Yeah. I don't know if it's the same guy, but it absolutely looks like the same the same guy. It's probably the same sign. He probably just like left yeah. and like with them. Which is really interesting because it, that would mean he would drive from Connecticut to Pennsylvania for this match. Maybe he's like lives in the Philly area and drove yeah. to Connecticut. For also that. That and would probably make more sense. If you're, just, we have to see if he's in war. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have to keep an eye out for the blood sign guy. If you're listening to this and you're the blood sign guy and you want to come on this show, please get in contact with us. <laughs> Hashtag blood sign. <laughs> so that's what you get in ECW. Like we don't get, like in my column, I always say that we've got like wrestling sign as like a, a throwback to uh, MST3K. In ECW, you don't get wrestling sign. You get blood sign. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so the Pitbulls put ECW on notice and beat the Broad Street Bullies. They're gone. The Broad Street Bullies are, are kaput. And Stevie Richards is then like, Hey, remember that girl you told me about? Oh, yes. I got her. I got Beulah McGillicuddy. And Raven's like, why did you do this to me? <laughs> and, it's, and it's really weird, because at this point, I feel like we don't really have... There's not a whole lot of backstory between Tommy Dreamer and Raven. No, and t- to kind of explain like how much this story has surpassed 
ECW. Like, I did not watch ECW until what we are watching now. Yeah. But I I know the whole story about okay. Beulah and the summer camp, yeah. Tommy Dreamer, like, all of it. But I've never, like, I haven't watched it yet. <laughs> and and everybody, Beulah McGillicuddy makes me feel ways about stuff. I'm sorry, she's beautiful. I also like her dress. <laughs> yeah. It's probably got pockets. And it's, like, plaid, I believe. Yeah. It's really cute. So we get this, <laughs> we get this match. I could do a whole podcast on Beulah McGillicuddy, but that's not what this show is. <laughs> no, please don't. <no. laughs> this is a family-friendly show, too. So uh, we get Tommy Dreamer versus Raven in, you know, just a standard ECW hardcore match. Tommy Dreamer is the first to use a frying pan in ECW, and Joey Styles comments that this is why he's the innovator of violence. Mm-hmm. He also hits Raven with a beta SP tape from the cameraman. <laughs> And I feel like this is a this is a really good example of how you tell this match is a really good example of how you tell a story in a hardcore match. Yeah. Like it's it's not just like weapon spots. There's an actual story being built here. And then we get the the end of that match where Beulah and Stevie set Dreamer up and he gets well, so, wait wait, there's sorry. the whole thing. There's a whole thing where for some reason Stevie Richards starts making out with Beulah. Yeah. For, like, no reason. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. It just starts happening. Yeah. And then that somehow leads to him choking her. Yeah. Again, I'm not entirely sure why. Like, like how dare you not kiss me? <laughs> right. It was very odd. Like, at first it was like, oh, kissing, and then choking, and then hairspray. But, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and then Tommy Dreamer just gets it right in the eyes. Yeah, classic hairspray to the eyes. Mm-hmm. It's sort of, it's sort of, I guess, like the the pretty person equivalent of poison mist. Cause yeah, that, I guess that makes sense. Because, <laughs> like, I'm almost surprised they they don't have somebody like Tyler Breeze using that as like a like a thing. Because that would work for somebody like him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maybe because it's hard to fake hairspray. Yeah. And, and like you wouldn't want to use actual hairspray because it could like mess up like if they have contacts in. And oh sure. Like screw it up. And also like you know, make you blind, probably. Uh, 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 eh? Maybe. I mean, I've sprayed in the eyes enough with hairspray, but I haven't gone blind from it. <laughs> have you? Have you also been feuding with Raven? <laughs> Always. Always. Uh, so. Well, yeah, and, I mean, the WWE is a very kid-friendly company, so they probably don't want, like, seven-year-olds spraying each other in the face with hairspray. True. But, yeah, I felt like the the story and everything was great, but then the finish was so odd. Yeah. Like, why did any of that happen? <laughs> well, I think, I think what they're trying to do is they're building towards the fact that, like, as much as, as, much as Dreamer is going to push himself to the limits and, and get small victories he's never going to get the big win over raven right mm-hmm. like that's sort of that that becomes like the the apex in their feud is that tommy dreamer can't get the win over raven and mm, right they're starting it with well you know in these circumstances raven's always gonna ha- he's always going to be one step ahead of dreamer 
and he's always going to use, when he does get the win, it's never going to be just on his own. He's always going to have Richards or somebody in his corner to help him get that final, that one, two, three over Dreamer. Yeah. Uh, we then get uh, highlights of Douglas versus Sandman with woman switching sides. And Shane Douglas versus Sandman again. Wrestler versus Brawler is how they build it. Mm-hmm. And then woman and Sandman plot twist. They set Shane Douglas up in the long run. The long con. Woman turns on Douglas. She's been with Sandman the whole time. That ain't never actually changed. And now Sandman, the Sandman, is your new ECW world champion. And Douglas steals somebody's raw t-shirt and Mm -hmm. puts it on. He's talking about like, like, yep, I'm done. (laughs) I'm going to go where they appreciate good wrestling. And it's really, it's really strange because we also get the na 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 na, hey hey, goodbye chant. And I don't know, like, I wonder if this is the first time that we've seen that in wrestling. Is maybe here. I'm not sure. Be interesting to go back and figure that out. Like. It's kind of interesting if that's where if that's where it got its start. And this is something that's really interesting that we haven't seen in ECW, at least at this point for what we're watching, is we get sort of like a title history of of the franchise. Mm-hmm. And they even give like the dates, like from August 27th of 94 to April 15th of 95. And because Douglas is now no longer the champion, and, you know... Who knows? Is he going to Monday Night Raw? What's what's happening with Douglas? Cactus Jack versus the Sandman is announced. With uh, this is going to be the Sandman's first defense. Yeah. As as ECW champion, putting the title on the line against the ECW's other resident crazy person, Cactus Jack. And it's kind of neat that they got like the the walkthrough with the congrats from like Terry Funk and. Yeah. Simpsons and everybody. And everybody wants the Sandman. Yep. That's that's the takeaway from that. Like, hey, congratulations, but you know I'm coming for you, right? <laughs> like, we're glad you won, but it's not going to last. Yeah. Like, hey, good job. I'm going to kill you. So, we then get... We, we then move on to, I think this is the last week, and everybody... Mm-hmm. Everybody, boy, how do you need to understand that April was a long month. Yes. It really was. Lots and lots and lots of wrestling. Lots of wrestling. We get Stevie Richards versus Mikey Whipwreck, two sort of like underdog characters in very different ways. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Whipwreck is, I guess at this point, he's he's still an underdog, but it's it's known that he can wrestle and he yeah. can... Enough so that Stevie Richards is trying to defeat him to prove that he can wrestle to Raven. Yeah. Like, Richard... so he has enough... Sh- Whipwreck has enough street cred that Richards can use him for this purpose. Yeah. Hopefully. It, and Richards is in a really weird place at this point, because he's, he's billed as an underdog of sorts, too, in his own right. Like, everybody kind of looks at Stevie Richards as, like, this goofy, sort of, almost non-wrestler. Right. Because he hasn't really wrestled... Yeah. So much that we've seen, at least. 
like he doesn't he doesn't really I mean he he can go out and work and everything but like when Joey Styles is on commentary and Richards is in a match at this point it's always sort of talking about how like Richards is just sort of this clumsy goofball who almost kind of fell into wrestling. Mhm. Like yeah, he he could have easily just fallen into working any other job. Uh, so Richards, of course, has Raven in his corner, and Whipwreck is like, well, I've seen enough matches with you and Tommy Dreamer to know how this ends. I'm going to bring out Hack Myers to watch my back. And it devolves into Raven, Richards, and the Pitbulls versus Hack Myers, Mikey Whipwreck, and the Public Enemy. Chaos. Yeah. We get more roster reactions to Sandman as the new ECW champion. Again, everybody's just like, we coming for you. Like, congrats, but you got this big old target on your chest. Mm-hmm. We get uh, sort of an escalation between Cactus Jack and Terry Funk with uh, Sandman's help. And, I mean, when we say escalation between somebody like Terry Funk and Cactus Jack, like, there's probably fire involved, if I remember right. Like... Terry Funk is trying to straight up light this person on fire. He's looking to, to cook him a fully flambe. Yeah, well, he did try to brand him at one point. Yeah, that's a thing. That actually, yeah, that actually happened. Yeah. I don't think he was successful, but I he mean, did, he did hey, chase him with a, a branding iron. Thank God. Uh, <laughs> like, I'm sure Foley thanks God every morning that he didn't actually have to get branded. Mm-hmm. Although he would have. Yeah. I don't I don't doubt that. <laughs> yeah, and if anybody wants to know what that looks like, I mean, just watch Jackass Part 2. It's either two or three. One of those movies. Me. Yeah, one of those movies. I've seen none of them. I mean, they're fun. If okay. you're If you're into dudes just, like, doing really stupid things. Like, I mean... Yeah. If you've well, had, if you've ever wondered why women live longer, this is the movie that that answers those questions. <laughs> um, so we then get more backstory on Beulah, where they talk about things like the summer camp, and it's really, yeah, and she used to be, she used to be really fat and, and like covered in acne and just like you know like that typical like oh she used to be like gross or whatever, but now she's like hot. Yeah. And it's, and it's really weird, too, because when she's when Richards is first talking about her, Raven wants nothing to do with her. Mm-hmm. And I find that really, really weird, because it's like, if the, if the backstory is that Dreamer bullied Raven and Beulah as kids, like when they were all grown up and they were at summer camp together, like, I don't know, it feels like it would have made more sense, at least to me anyway, for Bueller, or Bueller... Beulah, <laughs> Beulah, uh, for Beulah and Raven to kind of bond over that and have, like, a close thing. But I think what it was was it wasn't, like, Beulah liked Dreamer at, at the, like, camp or whatever. Like, she had a yeah. crush on him. Wasn't really into Raven, wasn't feeling him. Raven was actually nice to her, but she was still like, no, I like Tommy, even though he's a jerk. Yeah, I think that's I think that's. I what think it was. that was, yeah... And Tommy's just like, no, you're gross and fat and have zits and stuff. Yeah, but I don't even think they had touched on that yet. I don't think they had flat out said that Beulah had fallen in love with Dreamer. Did they not? Am I making this up or is it... 
<laughs> no, it, it, you're, you're not making that up. That I... <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe maybe I just didn't pay close enough attention. Maybe that's on me. That could be. Yeah. <laughs> I actually don't have any of that in the notes, so yeah. I'm not sure. <laughs> maybe, I, maybe I need to rewatch that. But then we get Raven versus Dreamer in a match. And this isn't, this is, again, just like another great example of how to tell a story in a hardcore match. But this also features some more ridiculous weapon spots. Mm-hmm. Dreamer uses everything but the kitchen sink. And but, then the kitchen sink. Yeah. Which is great, yeah. right? Like, I just want to be... It's kind of like, where did they get that kitchen sink? Like, why was that there? <laughs> just, like, laying on the floor and then in the I, ECW arena right. for some reason. Well, it was probably <laughs> one of those... I think it was one of those bring-your-own-weapon nights. Ah. So somebody probably was like, no, I'm, I'm going to do the smart thing. I'm going to go to, like, Lowe's, and I'm going to buy a kitchen sink. <laughs> I don't know how much a kitchen sink costs, but that couldn't have been a cheap weapon. Maybe they got their, like, house remodeled and they just used the old one. Maybe. They're like, what else am I going to do with this? (laughs) Yeah, a kitchen sink by itself costs, like, about $90. For a two, like, a two kind of tub one like that one was, that's, that's like $200. (laughs) That's a $200 weapon somebody took. I mean, you're right, maybe they were, maybe they just remodeled. And that's the only thing I can think. It's like, can, like, what else are you going to do with the the leftover kitchen sink? I mean, what else, right? Uh, we then get, we get one of my favorite weapon spots, and this is Tommy Dreamer using a plastic toy dinosaur. <laughs> uh, we get some really, we get a really good DDT from, from, I think, Raven to end the match. Mm-hmm. Or close towards the end of the match, and... I feel like we don't see DDTs that much in the WWE anymore. Like, I feel like it sort of used to be, like, a standard kind of wrestling move, right? But I think they're, because they're, WWE is trying to s- steer away from, like, any Concussion head trauma moves. potential yeah. maneuvers, so there's not too many people that use the DDT, and that's, like, you know, like, like pile drivers had been yeah, sort of effectively for a while been, yeah. ago because of the people breaking necks and stuff. Yeah. So I would imagine it's probably related to that, which is why, like, yeah. some people can still use them, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's not as common. Because that's basically what Dean Ambrose's finisher is, is a double-arm DDT. Mm-hmm. So we then get uh, Tommy Dreamer pile drives Beulah. Yep. And, again, that, that was... Uh, something that doesn't necessarily age all that well, I guess, in in this context. Because it's not like she's a wrestler and they're having a match. Uh, But we at least get uh, Tommy Dreamer doing a Hulk Hogan taunt. (laughs) He loses the match to DQ. And then we get some, like, really interesting video highlight stuff with, like, Shane Douglas's agent. Sort of like a press conference sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Where she's like, no, he's still under contract to ECW, but of course he's free to pursue negotiations with other organizations. And they kind of start building towards Shane Douglas versus Cactus Jack. And Douglas's agent in this whole thing, it feels like she was going to be sort of more of an on-screen character. Mm-hmm. Like, 
I, I feel like we should have seen her as his valet, but nothing really came of that. Oh, I see. Yeah, I gotcha. Any thoughts on that? No. Again, it's not something that I, I guess I was so into the whole, like, the Beulah stuff yeah. that it just, it kind of passed me by. Kind of background noise, right? Right, right. Okay. So, it happens when you get, like, so into, like, one part of the story that you kind <laughs> of, like, miss other aspects. Okay. That's fair. So, now we're going to talk about WCW. And before Boy, we get... Howdy. Yeah, boy, <laughs> howdy, everybody. I hope you like squash matches. Oh, it's like the most painful of all the shows to watch at this point. Look, I don't even... You fast-forward through some of it. Yeah, I do. I fast-forward the, the squash matches. If I know it's a squash, there's no point in watching it because the storyline's not going to be altered. It's just, like, they want to make, you know, whoever look strong. And And I sit there and watch them. <sighs> because I'm, and some I'm, of them are pretty long too, and it's not yeah. like they're necessarily bad matches. I just know that they aren't important to the to the overall storyline and what's happening in the scope of WCW. Yeah. So let's talk about WCW real quick. Anything that sticks out to you? It's so much flair. It's it's all about flair. That's I mean it's hard to notice much else because it's just it's all everything's about flair. Ric Flair. Woo! <laughs> That's what this month is about, everybody. You can't spell April without woo. I mean, you can. I I I've read that somewhere. Yeah. Uh, so the big <laughs> the big thing in, in the first week of Saturday night is that Ric Flair has been involving himself and involving himself and involving himself in all these matches. Mm-hmm. Getting involved, trying to take revenge against Hulk Hogan for making him retire. Right. And so now, Hulk Hogan and his monster maniacs, Randy Macho Man Savage, Jimmy Hart, and the ultimate surprise, Renegade, they're petitioning Nick Bonkwinkle to force Flair out of retirement so they can get like a decisive victory over Ric Flair. Now... This is where stuff gets gets really kind of interesting for me because they talk about how there's going to be a vote mm-hmm. whether Ric Flair gets to come out of retirement. They talk about how Ric Flair has purchased a segment on on Saturday night, like an advertising. Oh, I love segment. that because it's like they're like, oh, he's banned. He got yeah. banned by Nick Bockwinkle. He can't come, but he can buy a segment. <laughs> like, yeah. that's okay. <laughs> and I feel somehow like, that makes sense. And I feel like this is this is again sort of like really foreshadowing what we would see done with, like, the NWO. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the whole segment is called Be Fair to Flair. And here's the thing that, that sort of breaks this down as a storyline for me. This is this is the most puzzling thing about this feud, is it's like Flair's whole motivation for getting involved in these matches at this point is Hulk Hogan made me retire, and I didn't want to retire. We watched Be Fair to Flair. I want to stay retired. <laughs> it's mind-boggling. Uh, so, it's like, I guess now he knows that they, they want to help get him yeah. out of retirement, so he wants the opposite. Yeah, I don't I don't know. Ric Flair is secretly a cat. Like, 
<laughs> he's going to paw at that door until you go to open it to let him out, and then he's going to look at you like you're the dumbest the dumbest person they've ever met. Like, no, I don't <laughs> want out. I just want to paw at this door and make you think I want out. Uh, shout out to anyone who's ever had a cat, ever. Uh, <laughs> yeah, cats. They're awesome. Cats are great. Uh, we then get the WCW Executive Boardroom, which I haven't noted here that it has WCW action figures in the background. Oh, I didn't even notice. Yeah, they have them up, like, on shelves and displayed and everything. And we get the International Executives. Oh, um, so... F- yeah, like, Bonkwinkle <laughs> is heading it up. Mm-hmm. We've got an American executive. I think there's a German one. There's some, like, French lady, I believe. Who who abstains from voting. Uh, Sony, Sonny Ono is the Japanese one, but he's not called Sonny Ono here. He's given a different name. Just for the board meeting. Yeah. There's a, there's a German one. I don't know what the other ones are. So, we get, we get two votes for, two against, and one, one absentee vote. And of course, Nick Bockwinkle can't cast the tie, the tie-breaking vote. Which is really weird. And it's like, I don't know, it, it, it's a neat segment, it's different, but at the same time it's like, yes, as a wrestling fan, this is what I, tur- I, I tuned in to see, is wrestling C-SPAN. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, was, it was pretty long for what it was. It's yeah. longer than a lot of their matches. Like, there could have been a really cool, better way to do that that wasn't nearly as long or drawn out. Uh we then get Heenan kind of, you know, and this almost feels like a rib at Hulk Hogan. He talks about, like, Hogan, you know, making demands to WCW. And it's like, yeah, it's pretty much Hulk Hogan's whole career in WCW. Mm-hmm. Yeah, anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we, get, uh, we get more tag teams. We get Flair, again, wanting to stay retired. And then Flair has, like, this promo bit with, uh, I think, uh, mean Gene, where he drops a hint at buying WCW. Mm-hmm. And then we get probably the highlight of the program, which is Bobby Eaton and Lord Steven Regal out clothes shopping. Which, yeah, I mean, we love that, right? Yeah, I got... Sorry, you lost me. You, like, I'm sped sorry. ahead I did. of everything I have in my notes. There it is. Okay. <laughs> Um, yes, yeah. So pretty much any segment with Bobby and then Lord Steven Regal has been fabulous. It's like the the light at the the end of this horrible tunnel. Yeah. That's that's the big highlight. And <laughs> and we get a video package of Sting. Uh doesn't actually wrestle or anything on this program, but we get a video package. And here on this on this week Heenan, Bobby the Brain Heenan, coins the term the Blue Bloods. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't just something that, like, WCW Creative or anything came up with or anything like that. That was all Bobby Heenan. Nice. So, yeah, we uh, flash forward to week two. And this is something else I thought was really interesting. Baby Ruth and Slim Jim both sponsored the WWE and WCW right about the same time. Oh, yeah, I didn't even, like, think of that. Yeah, I thought that was really weird. Like, they're sponsoring competing companies. 
Uh, we get some sort of squash match with uh, a wrestler by the name of White Lightning Tim Horner. Yes, wait, hold on. Because he is one half of the, the uh, Lightning Express with Brad Armstrong. Okay. So they're actually a legitimate tag team at this point, but they are booked like jobbers. Yeah. So it never feels like that, but the, if you notice, they'll actually get their own entrance and stuff. Yeah, okay, okay. So you know they're not quite jobbers. They're a little above that. <laughs> I have it noted here that White Lightning just sounds kind of racist. I don't know. I don't. It just. <laughs> it, it just like as soon as I heard that, that just I pictured like a car with like you know the the General Lee on top and you know no outsider signs. Like it just it sounds really. Well, if they're the Lightning Express and he's yeah. the White Lightning, then what Lightning is Brad Armstrong? Yeah. But it's also like even though it sounds kind of vaguely racist, and that's not saying anything about Tim Horner. Maybe, you know, he's probably not a racist. And wait, they're from Georgia. They're from Georgia. Okay, there you go. Because that was, I I did note that further, their match with Big Bubba is that they are, they're both from Cobb County, Georgia. Mm. Well, and I feel like White Lightning is also a term for moonshine. Mm. So that would would make sense. So it's not a terrible name for a southern boy. We get... Oh, sorry. Very southern. Oh, yeah. I did want to go back one moment because yeah. we skipped over some of the the stuff with the butcher and Kevin Sullivan. Okay. Um, which is sort of interesting, just because I think Kevin Sullivan is just so bizarre in this universe. Yes. If that makes sense, like he's just he goes from just being like, oh, I'm going to like basically kill my brother and beat up the butcher to like. Avalanche yelling at the butcher, saying, like, oh, you messed up too much, like, you shouldn't even be here. Yeah. And then he's just like, then Kevin's like, oh, no, Avalanche, you need to have compassion. Like, coming from Kevin Sullivan, who's, like, this, like, sociopath, like, that's bizarre <laughs> to begin with. And then it's like, because he might still be infected by Hulkamania. So he talks about Hulkamania constantly as if it is, like, a disease that people catch. And it's fantastic, and it cracks me up every time. It's, it's super villain territory. So it's like, he's like, you gotta, you gotta forgive the Butcher a few mistakes, because he might yeah. still be infected. He might still have a little bit of this Hulkamania running wild within him. <laughs> he, needs, he needs some Kevin Sullivan, like, penicillin. It's some, so good. Some pen, like... penicillin. <laughs> yeah, that's... That was probably one of my, my favorite parts of, of WCW, is just Kevin Sullivan just being totally, like... Bizarre. I don't... Yeah, he's almost like a cult leader. Yeah. But, like, like or, like, somebody who's trying to turn people who were in the cult of Hulkamania away. <laughs> I don't know. It's very odd, and I love it. it it's... It, I mean, you can see how somebody like Kevin Sullivan, like, that gimmick might have influenced somebody like Bray Wyatt. Right. At yes, because the... he's, so, he's so odd, and he's just all over the place when it comes to, like, his attitude. At, at the yeah. same time, the Dungeon of Doom eventually gets to just be downright Looney Tunes. <laughs> and And I don't know how much of that was Kevin Sullivan... Versus just bad writing, but yeah. 
uh, strange stuff yeah, happening there. Very, very strange. <laughs> I've got here that there's a new Fair to Flare segment. And again, these are all just put together like campaign ads. Mm-hmm. He's, he's campaigning to stay retired. We get some sort of bit with Ric Flair as a Hulkamaniac. And then they promote that, you know, there's going to be a decision made about Ric Flair next week. Stay tuned, wrestling fans, for exciting thrill-a-minute voting action. Oh, yes. We get... That's what we wanted, more voting. Yeah. We get a video package of the Renegade who, I don't know, at this point hasn't even actually had a match? No, he's just sort of, like, been bodyguard. Yeah. But somehow... Somehow, even without an actual match, he's getting so much fan mail, everybody. I know, there's boxes and boxes of it. Everybody loves fake Ultimate Warrior guy. Oh, Rick Wilson, I'm so sorry that this happened to you. (sighs) They're trying so hard. Look at all this fan mail this guy's getting. Yeah, a lot of it's probably hate mail from seven-year-olds who feel like they got duped. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, we get more highlights of the Blue Bloods, including them being quote-unquote knighted. Mm-hmm. Which, I guess this just means that, that now that he's knighted, you know, Bobby Eaton is no longer going to care about poor people as we see. Yes, yeah, he's full-on been been transformed into this a, a proper Sir Bobby Eaton, I guess you would say. Yeah. And then we get, and I think this is supposed to be part of the U.S. title tournament. I'm not sure. I can't remember. But we get Sting versus Stunning Steve Austin. Um, let me see. No, it's not part of the tournament. It's it's, not. The tournament didn't start yet. Okay, that's my mistake. I mean, I know, they've still got like 30 more weeks in April to get this tournament. <laughs> so this is actually, this is something that I didn't even, like... It never even hit me until this exact moment watching this match. But, like, did did Steve Austin call his finisher the stunner as sort of like a rib on WCW? Because he's called stunning Steve Austin. Like, I'm kind of curious about that. I don't know. I don't remember. I feel like I should know it's, the answer to that. It's an interesting theory, though, right? Potentially, but yeah. it also gives you a like a stunner. Yeah, I don't know. it stuns you, so to speak. <laughs> so the notes it can I... work. It can work on many levels. Yeah, it works on it works on a couple different levels. Uh, the notes I have here about this match is Austin is actually really great at selling, even at this point in his career. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Austin goes for a tombstone pile driver. There's some really good back and forth between him and Sting. And then Sting wins clean with an Oklahoma roll. There's no, there's no finisher. There's no sharpshooter or nothing. Yeah, it was really kind of disappointing. Yeah, it was like an odd finish, and there's no, no interference, which yeah. is weird for WCW. Yeah, because they usually like to like overbook every match and just have like 30 guys run out at the end. It, it's not just weird for WCW. It's weird for a match in which Colonel Robert Parker was involved. True. <laughs> so we move on to week three. We get mm-hmm. everybody's uh, everybody's favorite boy next door, Alex Wright. 
Yep. In the U.S. title tournament. My wife loves some Alex Wright. And I can't say I blame her. He, he, he is kind of cute. Uh, so we Wait, get... what's up, Puerto Are you making stuff up with this tournament? I, I'm, I'm not. I'm, like, hold on. I have different notes about the tournament than okay. what you've said so far. Okay. So now I'm confused. Well, maybe maybe I just am misreading my notes. Maybe they just announced the title tournament. Because it was Sting versus Arn Anderson. Okay. Johnny B. Bad versus Paul Orndorff. Yeah. Ming versus Marcus Bagwell. Mm-hmm. And Flying Brian versus Bunkhouse Buck. Okay. So they just... So that, that's the, yeah. the so, whole tournament. They just... They're announcing that... Right. This episode. And then okay. Alex Wright. Okay, so... Okay, sorry. <laughs> everybody who's listening to that, apologies. My notes, You just want to yeah. add a lot more people to the tournament. I do. And make it, like, super, like, long and ridiculous. I, April was a long month, guys, <laughs> is what I'll say. Uh, we get... But we do get Alex Wright on TV, and he's trying to teach Mean Gene how to dance. Oh, yeah, that was... He's like, don't worry. Awkward. <laughs> Don't worry, Mr. Mr. Oakland. I'll teach you how to dance. And then that's not on TV for some reason. Yeah. Why? Why was yeah. that? Why was that not on TV? Stinking mean Gene. Why wouldn't you dance for us? Dance for us, Mr. Announcer <laughs> Man. Uh, we then get you know some more of the international board of directors, just sort of like a highlight. Hey, this was the voting that happened. And then we get a squash match for Craig Pittman. And I have it noted here that this guy, the the opponent that Craig Pittman fought, an opponent is being very generous. This, mm-hmm. this guy is called Mr. Excitement. Yes. And it looks like they just pulled him out of the audience. <laughs> yeah, he is a, the jobberest jobber I've ever seen. Like... <laughs> How how do you how do you bill yourself as Mr. Excitement at that point? Is it like ironic, I guess? Yeah. Potentially. Um <laughs> Then we get like opposite's day, I don't know. Right. Uh we get a lights out match announced for Sting versus Big Bubba Rogers at Slamboree. and the whole idea is this is basically uh, a knockout match. This is a, a last man standing match. Mm-hmm. And they announced this, and I'm just thinking, like, why wasn't this on Uncensored? Like, that would have been the perfect the perfect opportunity for it. And it's not like they didn't have the time for it, because they got, like, 45 minutes for their match. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it, it's, I didn't it's, think of it until then. Yeah, until it's, now. it's weird booking. It's really weird booking. Uh, As per usual. Yeah, per, per WCW usual. Uh, we get to go to uh, Dave Sullivan's house. We get to go to Dave Sullivan's house. You know, we see some of his Hulk memorabilia. He's recovering. Uh, I think the Diamond Doll shows up. Yes, and she brings him a present, but yeah. you got to be quiet about it. She doesn't want DDP to know. He's he's a lucky duck. He gets a call from Hulk Hogan. <laughs> Uh, we get, uh, they, they do a match, uh, they do, uh, before this, they do a squash match, uh, Barry Hardy versus Ming, and I just have it noted here, is Barry Hardy the long-lost Hardy boy? 
Oh. <laughs> yeah. This is what you miss when you when you fast forward through these squash matches. Jokes like yes. that. Yes. Great. <laughs> mm-hmm. That was worth it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we also get, at this point, WCW is sort of trying out different potential Four Horsemen members for this maybe new incarnation of the group. We, we talked mm-hmm. about it a little bit last month where, because we had uh, Arn Anderson teaming with Austin, right? And, right. And now this week we get uh, Arn Anderson teaming with Vader. Mm-hmm. And Anderson's kind of loosely tied to this whole Vader, Flair, Hogan, Savage business. Right. Uh, per Uncensored 95. So they're they're sort of it feels like they're definitely testing the waters. Uh, we get uh, the Blue Bloods debuting as a team, and again this is where we hear Bobby Eaton just basically saying, "Ha, screw you, poor people." Yes. Yeah. Now he knows better. Yeah. Now he knows better. His his eyes have been opened, and he realizes that he is just surrounded by scum. And I feel like this is WCW's version of My Fair Lady. Yeah, that's. I think that's the. Yeah, I, I think just of it. Yeah, Tony Schiavone, I think, even makes a comment to that effect. Uh, Bobby Eaton's finisher goes from being called the Alabama Jam to the Tower of London, and we then get Hulk Hogan, Randy Savage, and Jimmy Hart. Absent is the Renegade. I don't. Uh, maybe he can't do board meetings. Uh, they are presenting their case to the WCW International Board of Directors. And there's no PowerPoint. There's no slides. Nothing. No, they just talk. They just talk. They're just like, bring bring Flair back so we can beat him up something good. And, and then they're just like, okay. Yeah, I guess we yes. can do that. We can, we can make that happen. Uh, and then we get... Uh, we get a, a Paul Orndorff squash match. And this is a really weird match, because, like, I mean, it's a squash match, but, like, Paul Orndorff hits this really nasty suplex on the guy into the turnbuckle. Mm-hmm. Like, did you see that? Squash match. No. Okay. Okay. So <laughs> Fast <there's>, forward. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's sort of, like, real early in the match. If anybody can find this uh, WCW Saturday Night broadcast, I, I implore you to watch this, because this is a really nasty move. Orndorff, like, suplexes the guy, like, he's got him up, and the back of the guy, it's, it, he does it in a way so that when he falls back, this dude's back is gonna land on the top of the turnbuckle. Like, just really nasty looking. Uh, and then we get, uh, a Renegade video package. We get Flying Brian, and I just have it noted here, that jacket, though. (laughs) It's a pretty good jacket. Uh, we got Brian, even though his whole gimmick at this point is he's a high flyer. He does wild and crazy things. He wins the match with a Russian leg sweep into a submission hold. It's a crucifix arm bar with the neck scissors. And it's a pretty good looking hold. Like, when these guys are... Not what you would expect from flying Brian. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's It's really a strange finish for this guy who's supposed to be a high flyer. And it's really, like... It's it's so fascinating to me that guys like Brian Pillman and Steve Austin, 
and even, you know, Dustin Rhodes and John Paul Levesque, like, Triple H. Like, they might have all been, say, let go by WCW or not mm-hmm. renewed their contracts or whatever. But I feel like even to them, the writing was sort of on the wall. Now that right. now that Hogan was here, this is what things were going to be like, and they were never going to get a fair shake in the company. Well, yeah. And and it's amazing to me that these guys could see it, but somebody like Sting just he had his blinders on, man, just could not see it. I feel like with Sting, it was just I don't know. There's like that sense of loyalty there that yeah. not everybody has. I, I was talking to my wife about it the other day, where it's like Sting is. I, I think Steve Borden as a person is really loyal mm-hmm. to a fault. And I think in the long run, I mean, yeah, it's great that he was so loyal to WCW and everything, but I think that kind of hurt him in the long run. I think he could have had a better career if he had jumped ship because he was over in WCW. Like, Oh, t- yeah. Yeah, he really was. Like, he could have done so much better. Like, when you go better. crowd reaction, even from being in the group with Hogan and Macho Man, Sting still got the biggest pop. Yeah, absolutely. Which is crazy when you think of it that way. Like mm-hmm. the two of the biggest guys in the business, but Sting's getting the getting the crowd. Yeah, and and we have here where they talk more about the U.S. Uh, title tournament, and they they make an interesting comment that the U.S. title holder is considered by default the number one contender for the World Heavyweight Championship, which I think is a really interesting idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they announce the brackets, and they say, you know, the champion's going to be crowned at the Great American Bash, which is great. Uh, and we also get a commercial for the WCW Bruise Cruise. You like wrestling? You like getting sick off some buffet food? WCW's got you covered. I'm going to go back in time and go to this. Yeah. I mean, Jericho's got his version of that now. Yeah. Yeah. Boats and wrestling. Boats and wrestling. That's, like, made for me. I should probably do that. You should probably do that. (laughs) Do it. It's, Uh, like, two of my favorite things combined. Yeah. Just add some, like, owls and, like, an octopus or something. (laughs) Just get, like, every nautical-themed wrestler there. (laughs) There's enough of them. It's good. I mean, that's, like, half of Chikara's roster. (laughs) Yeah, at this point, it used to be all bugs. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of like Pokemon. I mean, that's not a bad thing. They switched from, like, like, oh my god, I'm totally blanking, bug type to water, to water type. type. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I have it here that uh, we get another match with, uh, you know, we get Flair at Arn and, and Vader's side. He interferes. Oh, you missed the, the, the Big Bubba bit, because he's... Big Bubba is not pleased with the fact that he is not in the tournament, so he's oh. basically going to destroy everyone who is in the tournament. Yeah. I still don't understand what Big Bubba Rogers' gimmick is supposed to be at this point. Is he just a, blue, is he just a Blues Brother enthusiast? What What is... I, uh, he's a dude. He's a dude. That's... <laughs> he's a guy, he's man. He's just, like, there. He's yeah. big. So. We're, I we, don't know. <laughs> yeah, we, we do get this We do get this other match. This is the main event. Flair and 
is is you know managing Anderson and Vader in a tag team match, and mm-hmm. it's the really funny thing is the fans are chanting USA like where do they think Flair Anderson and Vader are from? Yeah, I, the USA chants almost never make sense. This this is one of the weirdest things where it, like it just it completely doesn't make sense at all in the context of the match. Uh, we get Flair just stomping and destroying a Hulk Hogan foam prop. Mm-hmm. And, again, sort of testing the waters, we get Vader and Anderson talking about the Four Horsemen. And then we've got week four. We get a weird Paul Orndorff promo. Uh, Flying Brian versus Bunkhouse Buck in the U.S. title tournament. And Brian gets, like, a great promo at the beginning, sets Parker and Buck up, and advances in the title tournament. We get uh, Bischoff interviewing DDP. DDP's won all these millions of dollars. Mil- yeah, he's like at some restaurant Yeah, with yeah. Diamond Doll, the, chilling. The, the prototype uh, primetime plays here, millions of dollars, millions of dollars. Like, he's he's all excited. Uh, you know, they're getting champagne we got Max Muscle in the background, and you're right, the Diamond Doll is there, and they're all they're all just, you know, living the high life. Mm-hmm. And we get, uh, you know, Flair has been pulled out of retirement, so Flair and Arn Anderson are going to team up with Vader in their corner next week. I have it down here that in week four, this is when Kevin Sullivan and Butcher officially split. Um... Okay, yeah, here's here's the, the, the official notes on this that I have. Is that <laughs> the official the, notes. The Butcher had a dream of Hulkamania. The Butcher was made weak by Hulkamania. Now Kevin wants to destroy him. And Hulkamania. <laughs> this cursed disease that is Hulkamania. You got it. So there you go. Patient Zero, the Butcher. <laughs> And we get this really interesting bit, you know, Mean Gene's uh, promoting the hotline, and he talks about a prominent outlaw wrestler to join WCW. And I have no idea who he's referring to. Uh, We get Sting beating Arn Anderson to advance in the U.S. title tournament. And that's really all we had for week four. Week four was kind of non-eventful. Uh-huh. Week five, I have Nasty Boys versus the Olive Garden. Picture it. Yeah, it's okay. just, they're just like two jobber wrestlers, but they have like super Italian sounding names. Like one of them's I think yeah. like, like Dino Valentino. Like, Romeo you know? Valentino. Yeah. Yeah. Picture it, Sicily, nineteen ninety five. That's that's why everybody's listening to this is for Golden Girls references. Yes. And then Harlem Heat gives Nasty Boys one more chance you to get- win the title. You get one more shot, and that's it. Because obviously yeah, Harlem Heat, as the title holders, get to decide this, I guess. Yeah, and and <laughs> also, I mean, they won a match, but it wasn't a title match, and it was on a pay-per-view. It's, it's again, really questionable booking. <laughs> we get this really great Monster Maniacs promo where they're standing in front of, like, this Mortal Kombat lightning background. They're talking magic carpets. Apparently, the renegade has gone missing. And 
Hulk Hogan's telling Randy Savage and Jimmy Hart to look under every cloud and search every lightning bolt. <laughs> Which, I mean, that's that's poetic is what that is. <laughs> oh, uh, man. We talk about, uh, we see, you know, they're promoting Slamboree, and they talk about Antonio Inoki and the great Muda. Uh, yes, and, and, and the I Muda have, package. Yeah, the Muda package is really cool. I've, you know, because I, I don't really follow Japanese wrestling, I'm not super familiar with the Great Muda, but this is something I have noted here, is they talk about Great Muda's power drive elbow, this, like, rotating elbow drop that he does. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I saw that, I was like, is that, that's the Rock's, like, people's elbow. A lot of people copy the Great Muda. He's yeah. one of those. He's an originator, I guess you would say. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, he, he was one of the, I think he was the first to do the mist. That, like, Tajiri and those, you see a lot of other people kind of copy. Yeah. And which I just, is, like, one of my favorite tactics and and that and wrestling in general. Like, I love when anybody does any kind of, like, mist. Or hairspray. <laughs> I'm, I'm a sucker for that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I just thought that was really interesting because I never, you know, if I hadn't watched this, I never mm-hmm. would have known that. Oh, Okay. And I just, I thought that was really interesting to kind of realize, like, oh, wow, you know, The Rock's, like, signature move is, you know, it's it's a great Muda, like, signature. Like, he just, you know, and, and that's not to say anything bad about The Rock or anything, you're right. No, I mean, what, that's what, yeah. that's kind of what happens in, in wrestling. Yeah. A lot of people are like, oh, you got can't steal someone's move or copy someone's move. It's like, well, what else are you going to do? I mean, not. <laughs> yeah. I mean, everybody used the DDT for years upon years. Like, mm-hmm. he's just. Take it, innovate it, make it your own. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, that happens with, like, any art form. You're going to be influenced by those that came before you. It's mm-hmm. going to happen. A- absolutely. And I think The Rock ha- has done that with that with that elbow drop. Absolutely. That's a, that's a really good point. You know, take it, innovate it, make it your own. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we then get Kevin Sullivan again, the bizarre one, the original bizarre one. <laughs> talking about like how the butcher has been brainwashed and we gotta you know we're gonna have to hurt the butcher and the butcher is now a man without a country he he might not even be called the butcher anymore we don't know he's just he's not a part of the dungeon of doom the faces of fear at this point it's not even the dungeon of doom yet it's just the faces of fear. faces of fear yeah He's not even part of the Faces of Fear, and he's definitely not, you know, a part of Hulk Hogan's crew. Who, who is, whose side is the butcher on? Who will claim this, this poor man without a country, this nomad, if you will? <laughs> it's not. It's absolutely not that dramatic. No. It's not. Uh, we get. No, he may as well just like fade into obscurity. Yeah. Oh, poor Ed Leslie. Uh, well, you go from one kind of meh gimmick to another, I guess. It's 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 hard being Hulk Hogan's friend in WCW. Yeah. Uh, so we get Ming versus Marcus Bagwell in the U.S. title tournament. Yep. And you know, again, I wonder who wins. Yeah, I wonder. <laughs> this this feels like a glorified squash match, and it's unfortunate because I have it noted here that this U.S. title tournament. Could have been a way to launch Bagwell higher up in the card. Yeah, well, it seemed. 
I mean, at this point, they've all been pretty much squash matches, so it's going to be more interesting as it goes along. But yeah. it, it's like you know who they're they're pushing and who they don't give a crap about. Like Bagwell isn't a bad wrestler necessarily. No, and he, I mean, he no, mu- it's just, he he's gonna stay where he is. Yeah. I guess is what. That, like we need a tag team, so. It's and it's weird to me because it's like, yeah, he might not have been ready for the main event, you know, that kind of push, but like this could have been a way to to launch him higher up into the mid card. You know, given that his whole gimmick at this point is he's part of Stars and Stripes and this is, you know, the US title. And that feels like it could have been a no brainer, but instead it's just like feeding a puppy to a polar bear. Like it's just it's it's gross and just violent. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we... WCW's booking, like, they're, they're, it's like you can just watch an episode, you're gonna know who's the jobber, who's the mid-card, and who they're actually possibly gonna get to the top, maybe. And then there's, like, this super upper echelon that's just Hogan and whoever Hogan's willing to face. Yeah. Who his friends are. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, we de- it's, it's obnoxious. That's yeah, it's, it's, it's why it's is. so painful to watch. <laughs> it is, and it only gets worse. Mm-hmm. So I then we then have another Big Bubba promo. Yeah. And, and you know we talked about it, and it's just like this whole gimmick being as confusing as it is. Was this his idea or WCW's? Like, it just I can't... don't know because like he was some. He started off as a different gimmick when we first started watching this, correct? Yeah, he was the guardian angel. He was supposed to That's be... That's right. He was supposed to be sort of kind of like a biker kind of thing, but it's he just looked like white rerun. Oh, because he was like Hell's Angels. Yeah. yeah. No, he's kind of like... The Blues just, Brothers. Yeah, but then his name's just Big Bubba, and it's like, yeah. why? <laughs> I guess... I, I, now he's going to destroy... He's specifically going to destroy Sting. Yeah. I guess he he decided that destroying everybody in the tournament might be too much work. That's that's too lofty a goal. <laughs> I got to start small, baby steps. I'm going to start with Sting. Like the, the weird, the other weird thing is, and I did some research about it. I guess the big Bubba Rogers thing is a throwback to like his early wrestling days, okay. where he was supposed to be sort of like this silent bodyguard, which could kind of make sense. But at the same time, that's not at all what this is. No, this he, is, I think he was for like a teeny bit. Yeah. And then it just. I don't know what the heck is happening now. Yeah, it's really weird. It's just, he's going to fight Sting for some reason. I don't know. We get we get another DDP, Max Muscle, and Diamond Doll bit. They're in mm-hmm. Vegas. They're buying art and eating fancy dinners and going out and shopping. Max, Max Muscle looks really gross in this. And somehow, being as giant as he is, managed to find one of those, like, 90s baggy sweatshirts. <laughs> and they sort of tease something between Max Muscle and Diamond Doll. Okay. Like they're they're out clothes shopping, right? And Diamond Doll's trying on all these, you know, outfits and everything. And then we see her and she's like, "Diamond, this is my favorite one." And Diamond turns around and this is like all treated like a big slapstick thing. He like spits out his cigar and she's in a wedding dress and he's like, "Nope." But then they kind of cut the camera over to Max, who's kind of like staring at her, kind of like, yeah, I want to marry the Diamond Doll. Yeah, she's kind of in an odd p- place right now. Then she's also like helping out like Dave Sullivan and stuff on the sly. Yeah. 
I don't know what her deal was. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Maybe maybe she fell in love with Dave Sullivan at summer camp. Who knows? <laughs> uh, I thought maybe they were doing like a like a. Oh my goodness. Kind of like like that classic like like DDP's like a jerk to her, but she's like super nice. He's gonna help out the little guy. I think I think that's what they're getting at. Yeah. Uh, so we then get Flying Brian in again, sort of like another kind of squash match to kind of get Brian over. There's some sort of really weird uh, pile driver power bomb spot that looks sort of botched. And again, this guy has like a super Italian sounding name, Dino Casanova. <laughs> yeah. So when you're when you're with WCW, you're like family. Uh, <sighs> Olive Garden jokes. They're they're timely and appropriate. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we get a really funny kind of promo where Dave Sullivan is hanging out with some kids and they're helping him through rehab. Yeah, it's his training montage with the little kids in the playground. And, it's, and again, this is like one of those cases where WCW is so just right on the borders of copyright infringement with that song that's almost the Rocky song, but it's just legally distinct from. Yes. <laughs> uh, Mr. Excitement is back, losing to Kel- Kevin Sullivan. We get uh, we get Alex Wright versus some, again, like local jobber who looks like the lost nasty boy. It's Chris Nelson. Yeah. Mr. Chris Nelson. And, uh, I have no, no exciting name. Yeah. It's not anybody. It's just Chris Nelson. That's it. And then we get a post-match uh, interview with Alex Wright and cutting a mm-hmm. promo. I haven't noted here that I have to be quiet during Alex Wright's promos uh, because my wife wants to listen to Alex Wright. Fair enough. <laughs> you can understand that? He, he does have a pleasant accent. Yeah. Uh, we then get, you know, you mentioned uh, Tim Horner and Brad Armstrong being the, the, the lightning tag team, and they're going to mm-hmm. face off against Ric Flair and Arn Anderson, which this feels like a main event squash match. Yeah, it's the Lightning Express isn't, again, it's like one of those ones that's like they're there, they're an actual tag team, but they're booked like jobbers to the point where, like, the first match that, like, I really noticed them in, I was like, oh, these are jobbers, it's going to be a squash. But then I was like, wait, they actually got their own entrance, so I guess they're actually a team. Like, it feels like one of those things. It's sort of kind of like the heavenly bodies, right? It's very, they're very generic. Yeah. it's They're like, just two dudes, they got a name, and they, like, threw it out there. Like, it's, it's, I don't know, like, like Midnight Express, uh, Lightning Express, there you go, you yeah. got it. It, it, it feels sort of like they might be a big deal in, say, like a small independent promotion, but in WCW they get lost in the shuffle and book this way. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get, uh, you know, Randy Savage and Hulk Hogan come down to save Tim Horner and Brad Armstrong because pandemonium just breaks loose. And Shivani is... Oh, here, here's an interesting oh, go ahead. tidbit real quick. Uh, obviously, Flair and Anderson win. However, Anderson wasn't actually legal, therefore they yeah. shouldn't have won. Because they do this 
constantly in WCW. They just throw the rules right out the window. They don't matter. They're like, no, it's good. No, it's fine. They win. That's it's fine. That is, yeah, <laughs> I have it noted here. That is the weirdest thing about this. That Anderson's not the legal man, and I think Shivani even comments on it. Like, he's not uh-huh. the legal man, but he gets the pin. And this just makes everything in WCW look so much worse because it makes the referees look incompetent. Right, right. It's either, like, I mean, it's just it's just how bad this show is. It's dumb. And when you think about, like, the, the strap match and all that, yeah. it's just like, it, like, again, like, that's not legally how that should have ended. Like, that doesn't make sense. Like it it makes sense if you're if you're privy to the backstage goings ons, but like in a situation like this where the victory didn't really matter because Hogan and Savage were gonna do a run in save anyway, like, yeah. Why go that extra step? Why make it that much more complicated? And why, like, I mean, it just delegitimizes the referees and the rules in the organization, making everything look pointless, and it. I mean, to an extent, it almost kind of delegitimizes Arn Anderson and Ric Flair as a team. Mm-hmm. No, it's like one of those where it's like people at this point, you know, there's so many people that still would be debating whether it was real or fake, but a yeah. moment like this, it's kind of like a little more obvious. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> like, the no, zipper the on the costume. the outcome isn't fixed, really. Yeah. It's, it's the zipper on the costume. It's it's the string holding Blame the Blame it all on up. the ref. It's fine. It's yeah. the ref's fault. Uh, he didn't realize. So we, we get this, this run-in with, with Savage and Hogan, and Vader is, like, punching Savage. And I have it noted here that, that Shivani is saying, and he says it a couple times, that Vader decked Savage, but because of his accent, it sounds like he's saying Vader dicked Savage. Which is... <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's just... Hulk Hogan's in pirate tights. He's wearing, like, vertical red and yellow striped tights. I call those pirate tights because they look like pirate tights. Yeah. We get medical professionals tending to Tim Horner and I think even uh, uh, Brad Armstrong a little later. And, you know, they're kind of, like, tending to them while this is all going on. It's It's not really mentioned, so I'm wondering if they were legit injured during all this. And then the renegade finally shows back up, and he clears house. Yes, because that is what the renegade does. He clears house. Pretty much all he does at this point. Yeah. (laughs) He's just there to save the day. And so that's that's April of 95. Woo, we did it. (laughs) Boy, howdy, did we do it. It was a long month. Uh, May, I think, is also going to be a little bit of a long month. So mm-hmm. look out for that, everybody. And again, we're going to do some some premium episodes where we uh, riff on In Your House and Slamboree. Uh, so those will, you know, look out for those. And then we'll, of course, still do the separate free May of 95, like, comprehensive episode. I think, thankfully, when we get to June, that is a shorter month. So, yeah. And, yeah, that's that'll be fun. And we're going to plug it right now. I don't know if I plugged it before. We've got an upcoming guest for our May of 95 episode. And that's going to be Brian of WCW Worldwide. 
if you're not familiar, check out uh, the WCW Worldwide blog and Twitter. You know, they, they're a WCW fan blog, and they, they talk about sort of just like how we do, the good, the bad, and the ugly of uh, old professional wrestling, specifically WCW. And so that'll be that'll be fun. And Leith, where can people find you on the internets? At would be at Pariah Lane. That's P A R I H underscore L A Y N E at and that's uh on Twitter. That's pretty much it. Okay. Um, you can also buy all your, your goblin goods at Cobald Six dot com. <laughs> Shameless plug for uh Wrestling pal. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Check out Chikara and Excellence Professional Wrestling, everybody, and check out check out all those great folks because they're they're fantastic. Uh, good people. They're very good Fun people. Shows. Yeah, and you can find me on Twitter at Space King Bobby, and you can follow the show at Wrestling Time Machine on Twitter. Uh, the Twitter handle is just, you can look up WTM Podcast and find us, or uh, the Twitter handle is like WrestleTimMock. It's like W-R-E-S-T-L-T-I-M-M-A-C-H. Follow us on Twitter and iTunes and Podbean, and, you know, leave us a review if you're following us on iTunes, because that, that helps us out. And also, please check out Yvette Makes Things. Dot com because we got wrestle buddies homemade wrestle buddies you like you like wrestlers you like unique collectibles check that out and also check out some of the nerdy badges we've got and the other nerdy things and dream catchers and jewelry so check out evetmakesthings.com for all those sorts of things and i think with that said i think we can say it's been a show it has it has so, two shows. Two shows. Yeah. Two shows is what this actually is. <laughs> Podcasts are fake. Oh. No. <laughs> Still real to us. <laughs> so, uh, bye everybody. See ya.